Championship Sunday is in the rear view mirror and we will recap both games on this episode of Baller Island including the Ravens tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs as the Chiefs will make their fourth Super Bowl appearance in the last five years we'll break down that one and then of course the NFC Championship game where the San Francisco 49ers finally overcome the NFC Championship hurdle as they come back from 17 down to defeat the Detroit Lions 34-31 so we will talk about that and then give our initial thoughts on the matchup for Super Bowl 58 between the Niners and Chiefs in what will be a rematch of Super Bowl 54. So keep a lock, a lot of football content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. What is happening, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Baller Island. The matchup is set. We got... To recap both championship games, a lot to talk about. Can't wait to talk Super Bowl 58. And the news we've all been waiting for, we will have a celebratory J on this episode of Baller Island. That is because the San Francisco 49ers finally broke through and are headed to the Super Bowl where they will take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs once again. We will get to that. Of course, we will have our full breakdown of Super Bowl 58 on next week's episode we'll go into a mini dive into the matchup today but not a ton we'll save everything for next week but obviously we're going to go into the recap of the AFC and NFC championship games both very interesting games AFC championship Chiefs won that one 17 to 10 a little bit of a slugfest but a lot to digest there more so from the Ravens end but obviously the Kansas City Chiefs making another Super Bowl is a pretty big deal as well and then the 49ers overcoming a 17 point deficit to beat the Detroit Lions B how are we feeling after championship Sunday dude I mean I thought at halftime I was gonna have to do this podcast all by myself it's great to have you here (laughs) I mean I'm happy to be here too I'm I'm more than happy and honestly this is this is a very very cool moment for me because this is this will be the fourth Super Bowl that be that you and I will be breaking down here um the third here on Baller Island one we actually did on my old podcast the 49er way podcast we did Buccaneers Chiefs on that one this is the first one that I finally get to break down where the Niners are actually in it so this is a cool one for me. Unfortunately, I'm probably going to be a little bit biased, just a little bit, just a little bit biased this week and next week. So I apologize to those listeners on here that are looking for a non-biased take. Fortunately, everyone knows me by now. I'm going to be a little bit biased when it comes to this game. But I'm going to try not to because Kansas City Chiefs are a freaking good football team and they deserve all the respect in the world. So can't wait to get into that. Um, I believe we got to start with the AFC Championship game here mm-hmm. with the Chiefs and the Ravens, um, and then we'll get into the Niners-Lions. Or do we want to start with the, the Niners-Lions? We want to get that out of the way first. Yeah, let's start with the Chiefs. Let's start with the, the, the AFC. All right, let's do it. So the Kansas City Chiefs are headed to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. So obviously, we're going to get to that whole storyline a little bit as well. Um, taking on... Or obviously, they beat the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game 17-10. to 10. The Ravens hosted their first ever AFC Championship game at MNC Bank Stadium. Um, that place was crazy. Great environment. It was raining all afternoon. But there is so much to take away from this game, especially from the Baltimore Ravens side of things, because 10 points, like, this, th- that is not who the Ravens were. We built this game up as the Lamar Jackson legacy game, at least I did, so I know I got a lot to say about that one. But, B, I guess I'll start... I'll start this conversation here by by posing the question. Was this more of, wow, what a letdown by Baltimore, or what an amazing job by the Kansas City defense? Hell no, dude. It's a letdown for for Baltimore. I mean, this is the MVP of the league in the biggest game of the year at home. Um, Same kind of thing you were saying about Josh Allen. You're at home. You've played better all year. This is the worst the Chiefs have looked in this Mahomes era. This is your chance to do it. And you come out and you have 10 points. Like, that is, I get Casey's defense has been on good all year, but dude, you gotta, like, there's nothing. Like, I, I can't, there's no excuses for you. You, I don't know how many deep balls it looked like he had somebody. He overthrew. Um, and then outside of the Lamar Jackson thing, how many turnovers um, just costing dumb stuff to Baltimore have. It looked like a really badly coached team, which is not true at all. But, like, 
you know, reaching out for, for the goal line, taunting penalties, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, they, they shot themselves more in the foot more than anything. Uh, it was just uh, – if you're a Ravens fan, man, I don't know how, you, how you're feeling right now. you got to feel like the world's about to end. Yeah, diving into the numbers here, um, you hit the nail on the coffin with the penalties because that was one of my biggest takeaways while watching this game. The Ravens had eight penalties for 95 yards. There was a lot of unnecessary penalties, honestly. A lot were taunting, um, rough in the past. Like, there was a lot of calls. There was one, I think, was Jadavian Clowney um, who literally not, almost knocked Mahomes' head off. And it's like, that's to a point where it's where it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it's one thing to have an unnecessary or a roughing the passer call and you're like, well, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, that was a bad call. But this was the opposite. It was more of like for Baltimore, like, what are you doing? And like you said, this is usually a really, really well-prepared, well-coached team. And John Harbaugh and Mike McDonald and Todd Munkin, these guys have done such a phenomenal job all year long. And then you come into this game and you're – you know, they didn't turn the ball over a lot. I think they turned the ball over twice in this game. They did the fumble and then the interception. They had penalties left and right. They just didn't look good, man. It, it looked kind of sluggish on both sides of the ball, which is something we haven't seen from the Ravens the entire season. It, it wasn't really who they are. And then the time of possession, Kansas City demolished them 37 minutes to 22. I mean, for a majority of that first half, it was like we've hardly saw the Ravens offense. I think in that first half, it was like 15 to 3 at one point. It was a lot. We saw a lot of Kansas City's offense, and we're going to get to that because Kansas City's offense ain't that pretty either. So, I mean, that's, I think, what made this loss even more ugly for the Baltimore Ravens, that they lost by one possession. They shut out Kansas City in the second half and only have three three points to show for it down the, down the stretch in the second half. I mean, there was only a field goal scored that entire second half of that football game. It was a really bad game. Um, actually, I'm sorry. There was three turnovers for Baltimore in this game. Um, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I'm going to start with Lamar Jackson here because this was a huge letdown for him. And I hyped this game up to be Lamar Jackson's legacy game because it, it, it was his legacy game. I don't care all this talk about Lamar Jackson's MVP and he should be MVP. I'm sorry. When it came down to Christmas and we were saying this game between Baltimore and San Francisco, between Purdy and Lamar Jackson, whoever plays better tonight is going to win MVP. I think that's kind of BS. Lamar played really good that day. Purdy played really bad that day. But that Ravens defense got four turnovers, and then they capitalized on those turnovers. Lamar Jackson didn't do anything where I was like, oh, my God, like, this dude was amazing. Like, it was that great. What has Brock Purdy done this postseason? Two comebacks in the postseason. Lamar Jackson has an opportunity. They crush a young Houston Texans team. We talked about this last week. That's what you were supposed to do right? That's was like, okay, great. You didn't lose. It's like losing to the Titans back in 2019. It was like, ugh, like you were not supposed to lose to the six seeded Tennessee Titans. Like, what are you doing? Beating the Texans was one of those things. It's like, okay, great. You did what you were supposed to do. Now you play Kansas City. It's at your house. This is your opportunity. People are saying you're the MVP. Show why you're the MVP. You want to get to the Super Bowl? You got to slay the dragon to get to the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson was not good in this football game at all. He ran the ball for 54 yards. He was 20 for 37, 272, a touchdown and a pick. The stats are a little glorified. You actually watch that game. Lamar Jackson did not play good. His best completion was to himself. Like, other than that one play, which was in the first quarter, that touchdown to Zay Flowers was awesome. That was the Lamar Jackson experience in that one play. And then after that touchdown to Zay Flowers, it was like zilch. You didn't see anything else after that. It was Kansas City's defensive line did an unbelievable job. Spags put together a heck of a game plan. They were in Lamar's face. He was under pressure. But there was also some plays where Lamar had time to throw. There was that third and two, that mind-boggling third and two, where he had all the time in the world. Use your legs and pick up the first down. Instead, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. Next thing you know, he slides into nothing, gain of one, and and they end up trotting out the punt team. It was not a great performance from Lamar Jackson and... I feel like if he wins MVP next Thursday night, I don't know, man. I'm going to think there and be like, this really should have been a year where somebody else other than, or someone else who doesn't play the quarterback position should have won MVP. Because Lamar Jackson, yeah, had a great year. Yeah, Baltimore had a great year. But this was a huge disappointment, man. To come out, lose 17-10 to 10 at home to the Kansas City Chiefs, brutal. 
absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. Like if they had, I mean, it doesn't matter how you lose this game. It would have been devastating. It would have been heartbroken, like or heartbreaking. Even if this was like thirty-three or thirty-three to thirty, and Harrison Bucker hits a game-winning field goal, it's like, oh my god, the Lamar was unbelievable. Lamar's winning MVP next Thursday, easy in his sleep. But Lamar comes out and plays awful in this game. I don't, I don't really know what you're looking at, but I agree. As of right now, be in the AFC when we're talking about when we have this whole conversation of the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the AFC. It is Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and everybody else. That is the way that I've seen it after this postseason, now that that's concluded. That's the way that I look at it because Joe Burrow is the only one that has beaten Patrick Mahomes and had a shot at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but we've been knowing that for, like, I think we've known that for a couple of years now. It's just like they, you know, this is just confirming everything. I'd still put Mahomes is still in his own class. Like, he, he, Burrow still like it's Mahomes. Burrow is a notch below, and then everybody else is a notch yeah. below that. Yep. Um, yep. But this actually aged a couple really well. A couple weeks ago, when I called Lamar Jackson the Joel Embiid of the NBA, how perfect was that? That that, that was, was a great, yeah, great analogy. Um, but uh, the point, like, dude, they stopped running the ball in the second half completely, right? And it's yeah. like, this has been the best, like, this is their whole identity is running the ball, right? Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden, they get down, and they just forget their whole their whole thing. They forget how to play. And it's like, you've been down one possession basically the whole game. <laughs> yeah. The game's in reach. It's not like you're, like, down by 15, 20 points, and it's like, oh, my God, we got to throw and get back in this game. Why Why would you stop running the ball? Makes no sense. That's another coaching point. Like, uh, Zay Flowers, I mean, dude, I don't know what the hell was going on. Like, he, he had a couple of miscues on his own. Um, and then really what I was really disappointed is when I saw pregame, the whole, you know, back and forth with Kelsey Mahomes and Justin Tucker, I was amped. I was like, this is going to be a crazy game. And then in the first quarter, they go back-to-back and score. And I was like, oh, my God, this is about to be one of the craziest games ever. And it just, dude, from there, it was all downhill. Like, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. both teams, and it was just like, it was just, you've said it enough times. It was just sloppy, and, like, it was entertaining because it was close. And we're like, oh, my God, how is how has this score not changed in so long? But, like, I don't know, man. I just can't believe, like, you've thrown away your whole game plan when the game's right in reach. You were one score away. The entire second half, two and a half quarters, you were one score away. I think that's a great point. Um, I mean, I know Nansen Romo said it multiple times during the game, but outside of Lamar Jackson, who ran the ball 54 yards, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill ran a combined 23 yards. That right there, yeah, just goes to show you, like, I don't really know what Todd Munkin was doing because, yeah, if Kansas City was up 21 to nothing, or 21 to three, then it's like, okay, yeah, shoot. We got to start passing the ball. We got to score quickly. You said it best. There was nothing in this game that told you that, oh, we need to start throwing the ball to score. Like you were down by one possession. You're down 17, seven. But even then at that point, you're down 10, run the ball, get clock, keep Patrick Mahomes off the football field, score a touchdown, get the ball back. Your defense is keeping you in the game right now. And they did a good job of that in the second half, shutting out Kansas City. Yet you didn't do that. And that's not who Baltimore is. And they, I don't I don't really know what the game plan was. The defense started out looking really shaky, but they had a good second half. But that offense was just a huge letdown. Zay Flowers, I thought, had a good game. That touchback, look, that was an unbelievable play by Legereus Sneed. Incredible play. Like, I've, I haven't seen many plays like that by a corner of safety make a play like that in the clutch right at the goal line. That was an incredible play by Snead. I don't really put that on Zay Flowers. That is so unlucky and unfortunate. I put that way more on, wow, that was a pretty damn good play by Legereus Snead on that play. Just very unlucky for Zay Flowers. Wrong time, wrong moment uh, for that to happen. But just going back to Baltimore, it's just like, I, I, I don't really know what to say. And going back to Lamar Jackson, it's, this was your opportunity. I don't know if you're going to get this I opportunity do. again. His pick was so bad at the end of the game, Oh, too. that like, also, was, just bad timing, man. Like, you know, like, 
you have a chance. You've had a chance the whole game to tie up the game. And I'm sorry, like an MVP ties up the game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The yep. MVP is not doing basically what Jordan Love did to you guys. And to oh, 100%. You know, like, come on. Like, Howard, Howard is, I mean, like, again, okay, Jordan Love balled the last couple of weeks. I'm not trying to, like, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the throw at the end, 100%. The you're not supposed to make yeah. plays like that, dude. You're yeah. supposed to be the one making the plays to win the game. here. Not yeah. lose, like, you know, putting the nail in the coffin. Yeah, exactly. And Jordan Love played like an MVP for a majority of this postseason. But that interception at the end of that game, that was more of like, okay, this is a throw we expect a young Jordan Love to make. You know what I'm saying? With Lamar Jackson, it's the opposite. It's your name is likely going to be called for 2023-2024 MVP of the league this season. Yeah, we expect you to make a play like that. We don't expect you to throw a pick. Yeah, it was like year seven, year eight, yeah. You get like this is the prime of your career. You're one of the best players. I'm like, you can't do make mistakes like that, dude. You're that's like that is a rookie mistake. Oh, he'll learn for that next year. He'll be better. Like, no, you know, yeah, you don't have any more excuses on that stuff. Yeah, you don't. And the Baltimore Ravens suffered another huge loss today, um, losing Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, who I thought did an incredible job with Baltimore's mm-hmm. defense this season. He's off to Seattle, who took the Seahawks' job. Um, I think that's a terrific hire for the Seahawks, honestly. Just sticking with a defensive-minded guy, going in a younger direction. I think it's a, it's a great move for them. Um, as a Niner fan, I don't I don't love it, knowing Mike McDonald absolutely schooled Kyle Shanahan back on Christmas night. Um, and we got to see those dudes twice a year. Um, but for the Seahawks, um, that was a good hire. Really nice hire there. So the Ravens not only suffered that, that horrible loss there, but now on the other side of things, it's... You know, just a brutal way to end the season, and then you lose your defensive coordinator in the mix of that. So, I don't know, man. It's gonna be a long off season for the Baltimore Ravens. Like I said, like I don't know if if they get back, are they gonna get back? Where, like, where's their confidence in Lamar Jackson going forward? I I don't know, and that's where, like, I agree with you. Patrick Mahomes is a hundred and ten percent in a class of his own. And the only reason why I put Joe Burrow up there is because, like I said a few minutes ago, he's the only one to beat him in his own house. In the and AFC says, Championship that game. That says a lot about Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know what I mean? Or oh, 100%, like... man. And, and trust me, we're going to be have enough conversation about that over the next two weeks. of Where Mahomes is at, you know, I mean, we're putting him in the class with your boy Brady now. Like, it's it's absolutely insane um, how that's transpired. But that's just who Patrick Mahomes is now. I mean, this is his conference. You got to beat him to get there. And if you can't, that's it. Like, he runs this conference. It's the Kansas City Invitational every year. Even if it's not at Arrowhead, you still got to beat him. It's unbelievable that they were underdogs coming into this game. It's mind-boggling that they're not even favored to win the Super Bowl. I know the Niners have the better record. I know they have more stars. But I'm sorry. The Chiefs have been here four out of the last five years. I don't know how the hell they ain't favored in this game. That's just giving them more ammo at this point. Um, Let's move things over to Kansas City because... In this game, look, this was not pretty offensively in the second half at all. They didn't score. But those first two drives, I thought, were clinical. I was like, who the hell is Matt Nagy? I don't know where this guy... I've never seen a game plan by Matt Nagy like this in my life. They were moving the ball. They were getting screens out. They were getting the ball out of Mahomes' hand quickly, which I thought was great with this Baltimore front seven. They were getting it out. Pacheco was running the ball well. Travis Kelsey was incredible all afternoon. Like it was, it was Mahomes and Kelsey doing their thing, but then they got help when they needed to. Rasheed Rice made some big catches. Marquez Valdez Scantlin putting the icing on the cake at the end with that big time catch. They were able to run the football, and Mahomes was Mahomes, man. 30 for 39, 241 yards, didn't turn the ball over. That's all you need your star quarterback to do, man. The Chiefs did their thing, they had their two, you know, superstars do their thing, and then they got some help from everyone else around them. And this defense just went to work the whole game. So we got to talk about the Chiefs, man, because this is mm-hmm. like, at this point, it's it's becoming like the Patriots now. It's like every time you want to count them out, they come back and then they're like, nah, we're still here. And this is the, Mahomes is still super young, man. But at some point, like we're going to have this conversation later in this episode and obviously next week as well. But they are one win away from making this a, a full-out dynasty here. Yeah. Um, 
the crazy thing is, is like I don't think Mahomes has played at Mahomes level throughout oh, these playoffs. He hasn't. Right? Which which is like you know, like I I don't think like if if he puts up the same numbers he put up in this game against San Francisco uh, in the Super Bowl, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I think he, that that Super Bowl game we're talking about, but that's gonna be right up to the stars. You know what I mean? It's gonna take an all world performance. Um, so I don't know if Mahomes uh, can have like a really like pedestrian kind of day like that. But the big point for me is, and we've talked enough about their defense, but dude, Travis Kelsey. The last two games turned it up a notch. Like I felt like all all regular season, we've kind of been like, oh, you know, like, you know, he kind of it kind of felt like he dipped like noticeably this season. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then in the last two games, especially like in that first half of both the games, I mean, this game against Baltimore, he had three like crazy catches. Um, one on fourth down that was absolutely nuts. Like the touchdown was a great like crazy catches and it's like um he's definitely dipped but he's at the point where it's like um he might not be dominant for a full game but like dude he can dominate like two hours of it and just like remind you he's still like the best tight end in the league probably the one of the five best offensive weapons in the league um so dude if he's if he's playing like that like you know it's kind of feels like he's just turning back the clock a little bit and going, you know, two, three years ago. And it's just like, well, that's, that's when it's like, oh my God. Cause that, I think that's probably the biggest reason why Casey's offense has struggled this entire year is the decline Kelsey's taken. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And not even that, but obviously we talked about the Eric B thing all year long. Right. Um, obviously they're, you know, no Tyreek for the last two years. They had the whole drop situation with their wide receivers earlier this season. And then Kelsey dipping as well. It's like, yeah, there's a there's a big reason that Kansas City's offense has took a massive dip. And you look at Kelsey's stats, like he's only had two games this season during the regular season that were over 100 yards. And that was against Denver, nine catches for 124 yards. And then the Chargers, 13 for 179 and a touchdown. That was back-to-back weeks earlier this season since then he's hardly done anything and then you look at the playoffs yeah he's 100% turned it up a notch Dolphins seven catches for 71 Bills uh five catches for 75 and two touchdowns and then against Baltimore he was phenomenal 11 catches 116 and a touchdown he was he was sensational and in the playoffs you need your superstars to step up and you just need everyone else to do their job that's what it takes and I always look back to the Rams Super Bowl um, two years ago, where I literally said that about the Rams, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Cooper Cup single-handedly won that team the Super Bowl. Their superstars showed up when they needed to, and everyone else around them just did their job. That's what the Chiefs are doing right now. And the craziest part earlier this season, I remember, I can't remember if I said this on one of the episodes. I might have, I might have not. But when we were saying, this is a weird year when we look at Kansas City because it's not typically where you have the juggernaut of an offense with the dropping 30 a game, Mahomes going crazy, and Tyreek and Kelsey and all that. This year, they're dropping like 17 to 20 a game, and their defense is really good. And you're like, this is weird. But I remember saying that almost makes Casey even more scary to me in the playoffs because when it comes down to the playoffs, your defense is what matters the most. Right, It's this defense. And if you're telling me the Kansas City Chiefs have an elite defense for the first time in in a while, honestly, probably since Mahomes and Reed, since they've started this little run here, this is the best defense that they've had, which is crazy. And then you pair that with Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the NFL— that's a that is an elite combination, man. You have you have an elite pass rush with a star-studded quarterback. That's all you need to win in January. So I'm not surprised Kansas City is where they're at right now, man. I'm really not because all they need is for Mahomes to do his job and let this defense go to work. And hey, they're right back in the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, I agree with you because it's like you don't put the burden on him to drop thirty every night. It's you know, the defense is good enough where they're always going to be within a possession. Like, that defense, it doesn't matter how off Mahomes is, that defense is going to be keep that team within a possession. And it's like, shoot, who do you want with the game within one possession? 
Mahomes. You know what I mean? So hundred percent. That is that is a, a very scary recipe that he can play bad, um, still still have a chance to win the game, and then we know what happens when it gets to the end of the game, and he's got a chance, right? A hundred percent. I mean, look back. I mean, let's look back to the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl. Right? They're down twenty eight to three, and you're like, oh shit! Like we're about to get run out of the house. But you remember that. Now, we still have Tom Brady on our sidelines. We just need our defense to man up and do their thing. The defense goes up. They get a few stops. They let Brady go to work. They end up winning the game. Patriots-Rams Super Bowl 2018. Score was 13-3. to The Patriots' offense was not that great. They had their moments. But again, you had a really, really, really good defense with a defensive-minded coach. And you had the best quarterback to ever play the game on your side. Kansas City's got that recipe right now. And that's what makes them... Just as scary as when they had Tyreek and Kelsey and their offense was going nuts all the time. Having an elite defense with a star quarterback, I mean, dude, that is just as scary as them having a high-powered offense. So as much as we like to say things, this is such a different Chiefs team, it's the worst Chiefs team we've seen. Well, yeah, numbers-wise they are, but when you look, but when you actually think about it, no. They still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. And this defense is really, really freaking good. That's why they're in the Super Bowl, man. It's just, it's one of those things where, like, I look at it, like, yeah, part of me is like, really, these guys made it again? But then the other half of me is like, nah, like, you got to beat these guys to get there. And nobody did it. The opportunity was there for Buffalo. They were at home. They couldn't get it done. The opportunity was there for Baltimore. They couldn't get it done. So what happens if you don't show up and you can't get it done? Kansas City's going to walk their way to another Super Bowl here. Like, these other guys in the eight, like, this is not a conversation that we need to have of, oh, my God, Kansas City's doing it again. It's, no. Is Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all these other guys, are they really that good? Can they match Patrick Mahomes' level right now? Because they're not. Mahomes just keeps doing what he's doing, and he's been there. He's been there. He's done that. And I got to say right now, B, I think you've probably recognized it too. Mahomes, considering this is the first year where he's had to go on the road in the postseason, he has looked so cool, so chill. Like, it doesn't even look like it faced him being with the Bills Mafia, being in a ruckus Ravens crowd that's has that's hosting an AFC Championship game for the first time in 53 years. Mahomes was like, nah, this is this is this is still this is still my championship that, that you gotta beat me for. And then I gotta just go out and do my thing. And Patrick Mahomes looked great, man, considering playing two road games to get there, which is different than other years. He just dude's just something else, man. Something else. No, he, he definitely like enjoyed it um going on the road. He did, uh, which is scary. But it's, dude, it's, it's like, I can't think about him without, like, thinking about Brady now. Like, it's just like, anytime I see Mahomes do something, I mean, it's like, it's just so crazy how we, we go from our whole lives of Brady straight into this. And it's like a carbon copy. And it's like, oh, my God, if you're the other 13 teams in the AFC, like, Sorry, you know, like you're just never gonna win it. It feels like that's the craziest part is there was no gap year. It was literally like that 2018 AFC Championship game between the Patriots and the Chiefs was literally like a changing of the guard. It's Brady was like, "Look, I'm gonna be out of here sooner than later. You know, I'm gonna beat you one more time, and I'm gonna take what's mine." But now you're going to run this conference. Brady left for New England. That was the last time they won it with the Patriots in 2018. And ever since that AFC Championship game, Mahomes has been there every single year since that game. And he is now making a fourth trip to the Super Bowl, which is crazy to think. Like they, it, it feels like they've been there every year. And that's the way we felt with the Patriots for two decades was... The, the the Patriots are gonna, are going to make the Super Bowl. Actually, I lied. Sorry, three decades. It's insane. To, it's insane to actually say that, but that's how it was with the Patriots. It felt like they were there every single year. They were in the AFC Championship game almost every year. Tom Brady made ten Super Bowls, man, ten, which is insane to think about. And we're going to get to that later. But anyways, I've had enough of Kansas City talk, man. Let's talk about the Niners. Let's talk about my Niners for a little bit now, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about this game. I'll let you go first. Um. Okay, yeah, a couple of things here. I mean, the way Detroit started off this game, 
um, holy hell, like, dude, what the heck was going on? You know what I mean? It felt like, um, you know, I thought, I thought uh, you guys were going to score a little bit, but then all of a sudden, it's 24-7, and I, I, I thought it was over for you guys. I thought it was over for you guys. Um, but then two things, watching sports, because you're like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? And it's, it was the one, it was the C, it was CJ Gardner-Johnson waving. And it's like, they were up, I think, 24-7 or 21-7 at that point. Yeah, it's 21-7. Um, and he's waving, and I'm like, okay, I don't like that. It's a little early, right? Um, two was the, the Brandon I.E. catch, where it hits the Lions guy in the face. You could not have had a better chance at interception. Um, and when a ball bounces off the dude's face and you score seven off of that, uh, it's, it's it's a team of destiny, man. That is the most – how many times have we seen that when some lucky stuff like that happens? Um, right then, it's, uh, I'm like, okay, the Niners are going to win this game, dude. There's no way – you can get that kind of a break and lose, um, dude. I you, I know you were you were jumping all over the walls during that play though. I was honestly well. First, I thought it was a touchdown. I honestly thought it was dropped at one point too. <laughs> honestly, so I couldn't really. And then there was a flag too, right? So yeah, there was a flag. Yeah. Yeah, called back or something. Yeah, no, there was there was there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on in that moment. There was a lot going on throughout that game. I was all over the place from beginning to end. I mean, it took the first three plays for the Lions to drive down the field and they score the touchdown. And I'm like, what the hell was that? Like, what the hell? How did the Lions make that so easy? This I thought this defense would have learned their lesson from the Green Bay game where Aaron Jones ran all over us. Yet we just let the opening drive, the Lions go right down the field and just run all over us. Then they get the ball back and then they do it again. And then they get the ball back again, and then they do it again. And I'm like, there's no way hey, we're James winning this. Had your guys looking like you guys were in slow motion. Like I that know. dude was, he was going fast as hell. Jameer Gibbs. It, it looked like he had a four-yard gain, and then all of a sudden, he just ran right by guys and he had a first down. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, no, J- Jameer Gibbs is fast, man. That dude is so fast. Um, Him and Monty had their way, and again, it was like, in the, in the first half, I was like, we're done. I'm like, if we can't get a stop here, this game is over. Because at that point, they couldn't get a stop. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the play action. They couldn't stop anything. And I'm like, third how downs? does this third down? Oh, yeah. Sam Brown have like a huge third down catch. Yep. Like. They were 6 for 12 on third downs. They were, they were, I think they were like 4 for 4 to start the game on third downs. They were what Goff was dialed in. Everybody was like, and I'm like, how is this possible with a defense with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Fred Warner? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? How is this happening? And then finally, in the second half, they finally got things going. But I'm going to say this. Even even though I'm, I'm so happy with what happened in this game, my first thought was, Steve Wilkes better get this defense shit together before Super Bowl Sunday because if they don't, Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a career day next Sunday in Vegas. That is my literally my biggest takeaway from that game because this run defense, which has not allowed a 100-yard rusher the entire season, has now allowed almost in back-to-back weeks now. Like, they allowed over 100 rushing yards in the first half. I think it was 133 yards, which is the most rushing yards they've allowed in the Shanahan era in the first half against the Lions. Aaron Jones went nuts. Monty and Jameer Gibbs went nuts. The Niners have two weeks to figure this out, man, because that is not 49ers football on defense. So I'm going to start with that. This defense needs to fix a lot of things up because they couldn't stop anyone. Luckily, they got the turnover when they needed to, and this offense Mm. went to work, right? And that was right after the catch, too. That's when it was... The momentum was just going nuts. Yeah, oh, 100%. That was when it happened, right? Niners go down the field, and I'm like, okay, to start the second half, they got to go down and score seven. If they go if they go down and score seven, all right, we got a game here. They go down and they score three. And I'm like, well, that's not ideal, but we need three anyways being down 17, so that's fine. Next play, Detroit goes. They go. They march right down the field again, and I'm like, here we go. Then Dan Campbell decides to go for it. And I'm like, okay. 
Okay. If, if Dan Campbell wants to roll the dice here and go for it, I'm fine with that. If they go when they get it, hey, man, by all means, good for Detroit. But I know we got a chance here to stop it. If we stop this, that's how momentum changes, especially in the postseason. And I'm going to get to Dan Campbell in a second because I know we got to talk about that. That's when momentum changed. Niners get the ball. They go right back down the field. They score. It's a one-score game. Then the next play, Lions get the ball back. Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Niners get the ball back on the 15. And hey, boom, just like that, two plays later, we're tied. And all of a sudden, Jay's jumping up and down like a maniac. So that, that that's that, that's how football works. That's how the postseason works, man. It's all momentum. And that's that is just postseason sports to a T. That's what we talk about in basketball. That's what we talk about in football. In anything, in literally in any sport in the postseason, it's all about momentum. And you cannot let momentum flip and I as soon as I saw momentum flip and I'm like don't you dare let us back in this game because if you let us back in this game it might be wraps and that's exactly what happened Brock Purdy here we go I'm I'm, I'm waiting for this one Brock Purdy ladies and gentlemen all the haters out there Brock Purdy starting in a Super Bowl and just in case you didn't know that Brock Purdy starting in the Super Bowl Brock Purdy was 20 for 31 267 yards and a touchdown he threw an interception under pressure in the first half. Sure, that's cool. Honestly, it happened. It is what it is. Brock Purdy in the clutch, 48 rushing yards. That's right. Brock Purdy rushed the ball for 48 yards, came up with two huge third-down conversions running the football. Brock Purdy was sensational once again down the stretch in this game. If he wants to turn it over, get it out of your system early in the game because I feel like it might happen in the Super Bowl. And if it does, get it out. Get it out of your system early. But when it came down to it, Brock Purdy propelled another comeback down 17 points. And just like that, this Niners team went from 0-37 to making two comebacks in a row in the postseason. That is how I know. Like, I, Honestly, B, we could say this anytime about any of our teams. Every year, we feel like it's our year, right? You know, like, with you and the Celtics, it's like, you feel like every year, this should be our year. I felt like that way with the Niners the last four years. This should be our year. Every year, I also say, this year's going to be different. This year feels different. I said it last year. I said it the year before that. This year, actually, for some weird reason, does feel different. Even though I've said this the last three years, this one feels really different because we're not blowing the doors off of people like we were all regular season. This team is fighting through adversity. And the one thing people say that this Niners team couldn't do was have young Brock Purdy win a game with the pressure on his shoulders, yet he's now done it in two games and now he's playing in the Super Bowl. If you don't think this dude isn't ready for this moment against Patrick Mahomes, you're crazy because he just did it twice. Okay, the Brock Purdy thing for me, I'm like, okay. The the legs, dude. He he made some of the biggest plays in the game with his legs. So did underrated. Not see that? Did not see that coming whatsoever. Um, that is like enormous. Like I I I couldn't. I did not see that coming. That is major major props. I'm still I'm still a little sketched out though because you you look at that Green Bay game. Felt like you should have thrown a pick five picks in that game. This game felt like you should have thrown a couple too. And they that that IU one, like, come on, you know what I mean? Um so I feel like if I'm a Niners fan, like dude, every time he like he'll have a handful of throws where I'm like like holding my breath a little bit. Um but then at the same time it's like it's weird because he'll have throws like that where it's like you know what I mean? But then he'll make um plays where he's scrambling for the first down. It's like Huh? He can do that? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I don't really know how I feel about him. I know, I know he's kind of playing like um, he's got all the house money in the world. So whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, it's like you're getting both sides of it here. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, guess, I guess the one thing is you can say is he's not scared, right? He's going to air it out God and no. do his thing, right? Um, how that makes you feel – you know, there's the good sides and the bad sides for him not being scared. But. Dude, I'm not worried. I got all the confidence in the world in this kid. And I'm going into this game well-knowing. An interception is probably going to happen. Like, I can feel it. I can know it. 
and this because this Kansas City defense is really damn good. And Spags, oh, bro, I cannot wait to get into it next week between the chess match between Shanahan and Spags. What a chess match is going to be, especially from obviously the re- this is the rematch from four years ago, and Spags had his way in the second half of that game. We're going to get into all of that next week, but I cannot wait to see that chess match between those two. So I know he's going to fight. Spags is a master class at this, man. Putting together these defenses, especially come Super Bowl time, this is his time. So I know they're going to have something. They're going to have something prepared for Brock Purdy, and they're going to send some things that Brock Purdy's probably never seen before. So I'm expecting a pick. If Brock Purdy's going to throw a pick, like I said before, just get it out early, get it out of your system, throw it in the first quarter, I don't care. Just do it, get it out the way, done. But when time comes down in the clutch, I trust this dude. And not only is it that I trust this dude, I trust Brandon Ayuk because he's had a freaking incredible season. I trust Debo Samuel. I trust George Kittle. I trust Christian McCaffrey. I trust Kyle Juszczyk. I trust Jawan Jennings because I'll tell you one play in this game that nobody has talked about this entire week. That one-handed catch by Jawan Jennings. And I'm going back even a week prior to that Green Bay game, how clutch Jawan Jennings was in that game. This dude has made clutch catch after clutch catch after clutch catch for this team over the last two, three years. And it does, and I want to make sure that does not go unnoticed because he was big time. That catch was huge. Brock Purdy, it's all part of the Brock Purdy experience, B. It's he and this goes back to his Iowa State, his Iowa State days. He will run around, he'll make plays, he'll make mistakes, but he'll also make some amazing plays. It's funny because a lot of people you know, it's you know, say he's he's like a Brett Favre. He is definitely kind of like a Brett Favre. People say he's kind of like a Drew Brees. Honestly, he almost kind of actually reminds me a little bit of a Philip Rivers. To be honest with you, he's just a glorified Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers couldn't run for shit. Brock Birdie can run all over the damn place because Rivers would just chuck it, chuck it, chuck it out there. You know what I'm saying? He'll th- if you look at a Philip Rivers stat line, it's like 400 yards for like three touchdowns and four picks, right? Brock Purdy's the kind of guy who would do something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's no. Go ahead. No, you go. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's just who Brock Purdy is. That's just a part of his experience. But one thing when I look at this, Kyle Shanahan has never had this much confidence in a quarterback since he's taken over this head coaching gig in San Francisco. The last time I've seen him have this much confidence in a quarterback was Matt Ryan in Atlanta. He's never had this much confidence in a quarterback, and I've never seen him. I've never seen him react like he did at the end of that game where he gives Brock Purdy a hug. I've never ever seen Kyle Shanahan do that before because he sure as hell didn't do that with Jimmy G. That is another thing. Kyle Shanahan has so much confidence in Brock Purdy. That's going to be a big thing moving forward, not just in the Sunday's game, but going forward, man, over the next several years. That's something that they haven't had in a long time, man. I got a lot of confidence in Brock Purdy. I really do. And it, if anything that I'm worried about, it's this defense going into the Super Bowl. Rolling this back to Dan Campbell. People are giving this guy so much, so much shit for going for it on fourth down twice. Here's what I'll say about that. Stop it. Because this is who Dan Campbell's been all year. This is who Dan Campbell's been since the minute he got hired by the Detroit Lions. They are aggressive as hell. Sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass, but other times it's going to make you look like a hero. Yes, the analytics probably said, okay, maybe you should go for it on fourth down or maybe you should have kicked it. In certain moments, especially in the playoffs, you've got to be smart. Dan Campbell's inexperience definitely showed because he should have kicked it late and tied the game. However... I'm not going to sit here and be like, Dan Campbell should have done this and Dan Campbell should have done that because who are we to question a dude who just brought the Detroit Lions to their first NFC Championship game since 1991? Who are we to question a dude that just brought the Detroit Lions their first NFC North title in, in their history, in their in the history of their organization? None of us are. This is who the Detroit Lions identity is. This is who Dan Campbell's identity is. And unfortunately, it came back to bite him in the ass late in this game. But... Josh Reynolds had a catch. He should have caught that he dropped. Um, there was another one who I think should have had a catch, and he dropped it as well. There were a lot of times there where the Lions had their opportunities, and they had some key drops. Jameer Gibbs had a key fumble. There were a lot of mistakes here and there. Yes, I do believe Dan Campbell should have gone for the field goal the second time to tie the game. 
You got to do that. You're in the postseason. You want to extend the game. You got to do it. But Dan Campbell just stayed true to who he is. And I don't think that's a reason to be like, oh, Dan Campbell lost them the game. Nah, that's who he's been the whole season, man. And I just don't think you can get mad at that. No, here's what I'll disagree with, though. Um, you're up 21-7 right before the half. If that's who are, you are, why are you kicking the field goal then? You know what I mean? There's no rhyme or reason to when you kick that's the field true. goal or when that's you true. go for a fourth down. So if you're going to go for that field goal, why the hell aren't you going to go for the other two field goals? That's true. You know what I mean? If, yeah. you're gonna go for, if you went for that one and went for the knockout punch 28-7, okay, sure, that's different. Now that's who you are. But you can't just pick and choose when that, you know, it's the same scenario. You have to look at it. That's true. Um, so you can't just pick and choose that if you're Dan Campbell. Um, the second thing is the last one, I cannot give him a pass on that, dude. That is when you kick the damn field goal. You have to understand momentum. You have to understand, yeah. like, yo, my team has seven guys that have ever been in a postseason or been at this stage. We're inexperienced as hell. All the momentum's on that side. They know if we don't get this, they're going to win the game. My team knows that. We need points here. Um, so it's much more than, oh, this is who, who I am. I go for four downs. You got to, like, there's so much context to it. And that's the thing I have beef with, like, on the analytics thing. It's like, analytics is going to say go for it, whatever. Every fourth and two, it feels like. Every fourth and three. Analytics ain't factoring in all the momentum in this game, all the experience in inexperience between these two teams, you know what I mean? And how demoralizing it's going to be if you don't get this fourth down. Now, the second part of this has nothing to do with Dan Campbell. You're right. They had a whole bunch of chances that they dropped balls on, right? Um, you catch some of those balls, maybe you don't lose the game. Maybe we're not talking about Dan Campbell. Um, but still, like, there's, there's two things I look at. That one before the half and that one – that everybody's talking about to tie the game. Those two, both, you went for it on one and you, you didn't go for it on the other. Uh, there's got to be some kind of uh, consistency. That's fair. That's totally fair. And that's exactly why I go back to the point where I'm saying Dan Campbell's inexperience in these games showed. And that is something that I hope that Dan Campbell will learn going into the next time that he's in the because This is just the beginning for, the, for this Detroit Lions team. I would do want to give them their credit here. What an unbelievable run it was. This team, I mean, accomplished so much in this one season, you know, that the Lions haven't accomplished in years. So hats off to Dan Campbell, who I think will be the coach of the year, but we'll make our picks for that next week. Um, Jared Goff, what an incredible season. He played his ass off this entire year, this postseason. What a story it was for Jared Goff. This team has got a very, very, very bright future ahead of them. Um, but no question, the inexperience showed for Dan Campbell in that game. But I just, I, I mean, the last thing I want to do here before we go move on to our initial thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup is Kyle Shanahan. Like, I just, honestly, knowing, like, again, I, I have seen this team grow from where they have been when Shanahan took over. And I've never really seen this team. Obviously, the numbers speak for itself. Uh, they were 0-37 before this playoff, this playoffs began. And Shanahan has been known for blowing leads. The Rams game blew it, blew a 10-point lead in the NFC Championship game two years ago. He blew a 10-point lead the last time the Niners played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in 2019. He blew, obviously, the infamous 28-3 game against your Patriots in that one as well as the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. The storyline was Kyle Shanahan can't win big games. Kyle Shanahan can't coach in the fourth quarter. Kyle Shanahan's teams can't make comebacks. Kyle Shanahan's teams only play with leads. Well, guess what? These last two weeks have been a huge stickum to every single person that said Kyle Shanahan can't do that because now he's had two playoff games, back-to-back -back weeks, that were comebacks. And I never thought I would see that. And that's why I said a few minutes ago that this playoff run feels different. And it's because it's not like 2019 where the Niners destroyed Green Bay and destroyed Minnesota. It's not like last year where they destroyed Seattle and then they beat the Cowboys was whatever, right? This one, it's like they were down and then they came back. It's usually the, the, the other way around where the Niners are just annihilating teams. This time it's no, there's adversity here and they're coming back. 
this is the sign of a championship team. And that's where I'm like, this is usually a time where a Niners team would fold. And they didn't. And then going back to your point with Brandon Ayuk's helmet catch, like, what the hell even was that? Like, that is one of those things where I'm like, a a play like that only happens when you're a team of destiny. And I know that because I've seen it. You've seen that with so many years with the Patriots and the Celtics. Like, you've seen that with your teams. I've seen that with mine. I think about the Raptors championship game when Kawhi's game seven buzzer beater. Things like that where a, a shot takes five bounces to go in the net, like, those are just things where it's like things are just going your way. And for the 49ers right now, they played like absolute trash against the Green Bay Packers, yet they somehow, some way, or somehow, some way, some way found a way to win that game and move on. And then with the Lions, they played a disastrous first half and then have the second half of their life. But at the same time, it took a little bit of luck involved to get them here. And now here they are back in the Super Bowl, overcoming a 17 point deficit. It's just. I haven't seen this side of this football team. I haven't seen this side of Kyle Shanahan. But I think that's also what makes me, as much as I'm saying, they got to shore up so many things, especially defensively. I almost feel more confident because it's like, I know this team can do it. If Kansas City's out in front, I'm like, why should I be scared when we just did it twice? I know that I know who they got on the other side. Everybody knows who they got on the other side. It's Patrick Mahomes. We know that. But I know that this Niners team has shown that they can come back from behind. And we don't have to go into this game with that graphic popping up saying Kyle Shanahan is 0-37 going to the Super Bowl. Do you know how bad that would have been be if we made the Super Bowl and we were still talking about that? Like, I would feel 30 times more worried if that was the case. Yeah, it definitely feels like you guys got a little, got the monkey off your back a little bit with that one. Huge. Um, that being said, this is still the biggest monkey, right? Can you win the big game? Oh, this is it. We'll see. This is it. This is this is the biggest one. So let's let's get to it. A little a little uh tail of the tape here before we get into the full episode next week. So the Niners will take on the Chiefs in Las Vegas. You know what's funny, B, is it's crazy to think that we were just at Allegiant Stadium back in March last year. I never would have thought that, hmm, we were saying to ourselves, man, this is pretty crazy. The Super Bowl is gonna be here. I never would have thought we'd be saying the Niners are gonna be playing in the Super Bowl in this very building. In a year, that's kind of crazy. That is, a, it is cra- kind of crazy to think that. Can you imagine how, what the scene is gonna be like? Oh Holy my shit. god! I know we were there. We were there on like a random like Thursday or whatever it was. Like it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be insane. The vibe is gonna be insane. The strip's gonna be mental. Like this, the, man, Vegas is gonna be an absolute vibe. Um, next weekend is gonna be, it's gonna be ridiculous. I, I mean, if you're gonna be down, I don't, there, I don't even want to look at prices, but it has me thinking ooh, like, yeah, everywhere. Go. Everywhere, man. Forget the actual game. Just anywhere, anywhere on the strip you want to go, it's gonna, it's gonna be some, some hefty bucks there, man. So we got a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Four. Like I mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs won that game, thirty-one to twenty, over the Niners. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback at that time. What if Jimmy G's gonna be at the game since it's in Vegas? I don't think he should go. He shouldn't go. Um, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, obviously, 11-6. They won the AFC West. They beat the Dolphins, Bills, and Ravens to get here. The Niners beat the Packers and Lions um, and won the NFC West for the second year in a row in that case. Chiefs making their fourth Super Bowl in five years. The Niners making their second trip in five years. Um, B, I'm going to give my top five early storylines going into the Super Bowl, but I'll let you go ahead first. What are your top five early storylines heading into Super Bowl 58? My my, I mean the biggest one, I think is Mahomes. Um, he wins this. Like, what? Where are we talking? Right? Like, that's the biggest storyline. Is he's he'll have three if he wins this, right? Um, and I, I, I got. I'm sorry, I got to get this out of my system a little bit. But I've seen way too many people. I think it's like the new thing. Everybody like tweeting him as the goat and whatever. But like. Three is like we're up there. That's that's more than uh, Peyton. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's already ahead of Rogers. He's already ahead of you know Drew Brees. All these other guys that we talk about. Um, that is like it's there's three guys. It'll be two the two and him if he gets the three. And that, that's like wow. And he's got. How many years left? However many more years he wants to play, I think that's the biggest storyline. Where it's like we can get, we're watching, just as we finish as one, 
we're right on to the next. And it's like, I know everybody's been saying that since the moment Brady retired, but like, it's like lived up to the bill. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's like LeBron getting drafted as the chosen one and actually being LeBron. You know what I mean? It's what it feels like. It's like, how is he actually living up to this hype and actually filling those shoes? It makes no sense to me. It's unfathomable. Yeah, it is. It is definitely pretty crazy um, when you put it like that. And like I said, Mahomes, in it, it's. I mean, he's obviously in his prime right now, but it still feels like he's he's still young. Like he hasn't even hit thirty yet, and he's making his fourth Super Bowl start. Fourth. Like I don't think people understand how hard that is. That is insanely hard. And this is the second time that he's making back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. He did it from 19 and 20, and now we did it again from 2022 and 2023. What if, like, imagine we're in an alternate universe for a sec, and Brady retires four years earlier than he does, right? Yep. What are we talking right now? Does Mahomes have two extra? Because Brady's the only guy that's managed to beat him. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like, what the hell are we talking about? Like, he, that's the only dude that could have beaten him. Like, there's nobody else in the league that, that has a chance. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good. That's what I. And that's exactly why I put Joe Burrow's name in that conversation, right? Because Joe Burrow's the only other guy other than Brady to beat him. That's it. Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. Those are the only quarterbacks to defeat Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. And who... I find it hilarious how Brady was in his 40s, though. That's hilarious. Oh, I do, and, and did it twice. <laughs> twice. Twice to him. It's nuts. And now, from playing old man Brady, he will play young man Brock Purdy, who will become the third youngest quarterback to start a Super Bowl, second to Dan Marino and Ben Roethlisberger, just 23 years young. Brock Purdy will make that, and I think people need to understand that. So here are my top five storylines I'm heading into Super Bowl Sunday. Number five. Trent Williams. I'm going to talk a lot about this next week because Trent Williams is one of my favorite 49ers. Um, been anchoring that left tackle on that offensive line. And I got to tell you, he makes that offensive line look damn good because everyone else is, eh, you know, they have their moments. Everyone else is pretty good, but not as good as Trent Williams. This dude's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's an 11-time Pro Bowler. Like, he's been through a lot. I'm Obviously, we don't have all the time to get into it now, but I think everyone who obviously knows Trent Williams, all the real like football fans out there know his time in Washington. It ended ugly. He went through some health issues as well. There was a time where Trent Williams didn't even know if he was going to make it out alive at one point. This dude's been through so much. And there was a point where he was probably ready to retire at some point. And yet the one dude that's always kept him in it has been Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator in Washington. They managed to trade for him, get him here to replace the great Joe Staley, who will also probably be a Hall of Famer one day. But Trent, man, like I, I, there is no 49er that I want this more than Trent Williams. He gets this ring, easy, gold jacket, not even a question. He's already probably first battle Hall of Famer. He gets this ring, easy, first battle Hall of Famer. All eyes are on 71, man. I can't wait. I couldn't be more happier to see him finally get to his first ever Super Bowl. Number four, not going to spend too much time on this. I'll save this for next week. But the Niners redemption story, obviously losing in 2019 to the Chiefs, getting back to the Super Bowl now playing them again, not a lot of teams get that opportunity to do that, man. When you lose one Super Bowl, you try to get back. The last two years, they could have been there, lost in the championship game, and now they finally make it back. And who do they play? The team that beat them four years ago with a few new guys, obviously, on the team. So that's number four. Number three, Kyle Shanahan. And I'm going to talk about this a lot next week as well. This game, we talked about it last week with Lamar Jackson and his legacy game. I just went on a whole rant five minutes ago about how Kyle Shanahan finally got the comeback monkey, you know, off his back of this dude went from blowing leads to making comebacks. I feel like I just saw Kyle Shanahan grow up. You know what I'm saying? Now he gets the chance. Like this is Kyle Shanahan's moments to put the 28 to three game to bed, to put the 2019 Super Bowl to bed, to put all of that to bed. His dad won two. Kyle has none. Kyle has been this, you know, this this boy genius, you know, this offensive guru, the best play caller in football for the last god, but my probably the last decade had that has been Kyle Shanahan, and it's crazy. B, I don't know if you saw the numbers this past weekend. Kyle Shanahan has one of the best playoff records in NFL history. Who has never won a Super Bowl? Everyone else on that list has won multiple Super Bowls. 
Yet Kyle Shanahan's on that list and has zero trophies. And he has one of the best winning percentages in the postseason with some of those other guys. I'll, I'll try to get that list up for next week. This game is Kyle Shanahan's legacy game. This is it. He is 0-2 in Super Bowls. That includes his Falcons game and the Niners game. He is 0-3 versus Andy Reid. I cannot wait to see what it... Like, if there is any game, I cannot wait to see what Kyle Shanahan comes up with for this game against Kansas City Chiefs. This is his legacy game. Number two, Brock Purdy. Like I mentioned, he'll be the third youngest quarterback to start a Super Bowl game. I mean... Having Mr. Irrelevant start a Super Bowl, that should be a good enough storyline in itself. That should be more of a storyline than Taylor Swift making it to the Super Bowl from Tokyo. Like, people should be start talking about young Brock Purdy starting a Super Bowl in his first full season. I would like to repeat that. His first full season as an NFL quarterback. He was the last pick in the draft playing his first full season, and he's starting in the Super Bowl. Just take that in. That's number two. And then number one, B, you already talked about it. It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs dynasty because it's not every day that we see sports dynasties. It's not every day you see it. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they win this game. They are the next great dynasty. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, I think we've already had this conversation. But if they win this three in, what has it been, like five, six years now, they've been in it practically almost every year. We need to start having that conversation about a dynasty. So number one for me is Kansas City Chiefs dynasty with Mahomes and Andy Reid. But those are my top five storylines heading into next Sunday. I uh, dude, that that um, Mister Irrelevant one. Uh, how is that not getting talked about? And people like, hate him. I don't get it. You, I, honestly, I think it's just because he's on the Niners. Like, I, if he was, I, mean, I don't even really know why the Niners are getting all the hate, but. Um, if he was, I feel like if he was on a different team, I don't know. I feel like he, everybody would be loving him, but you would have thought like the dude is the last pick in the draft in his first year going to the Super Bowl, and now you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. This should feel like everybody's backing him and everybody's rooting against Patrick Mahomes, and everybody's like, oh, let's go, like, you know, slay the, slay the dragon kind of deal, but it does not feel that way at all. No, it doesn't feel that at all. And it makes absolutely no sense. It's, I mean, I feel like half the people don't even know Brock Purdy's story going into next Sunday. So I can't wait to friggin' talk about it next week because it needs to be talked about. Like, what this kid has done in one season is simply incredible. He did not start for this team until week 13 of last season in the middle of a team that was trying to compete for a Super Bowl. And it took Hassan Reddick's helmet to knock him out of the NFC Championship game. We didn't even know if he was going to be starting week one coming into this season. It was still, there were, there were still talks about Trey Lance. You don't hear that name talked about anymore. Now that in the Super Bowl, man, with Brock Purdy. You don't hear, you don't hear squat talking about Trey Lance anymore. I don't know why it's not talked about anymore, man. For the last pick in the draft in his first full season, it's an absolute joke that people are not giving Brock Purdy the same kind of love that he should be. Maybe it is because he's the Niners quarterback and he's got st- a stacked supporting cast, but who cares? Like, it doesn't matter whether you're driving the bus or not because other quarterbacks couldn't do that. Yet Brock Purdy's doing that. He broke the record. I don't care if people say half his yards are yak yards. Just for God's sakes, give him the respect he deserves because I know even if Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl, people are still going to say, oh, congratulations. You had Christian McCaffrey at running back and you had Debo Samuel. Who cares? You know why? Because young Brock Purdy will have a ring on his hand, and you don't. So that, at the end of the day, is, is going to need to be talked about. But, I mean, we'll wait till all next week. But it, it's an absolute joke. It's an absolute joke how he's been treated to this point. During Super Bowl week next week, it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, man, it's just it's not enough, but it should be. And he's, and he's got the chance, man, to take down the great Patrick Mahomes. And I can't wait. I cannot wait for this matchup. Yeah, man, hey, just try and get some sleep. Just try and get some sleep these next this week and a bit over here. Uh, we got time. We got time. Don't worry about that. We got we got a lot of time until that. But it's gonna come up quick. It's gonna kind of it's gonna come up a lot more quick than we think. But I can't wait. I mean, I mean, what a what an opportunity this is gonna be, man. The nine Niners Super Bowl Vegas Usher's gonna be bumping yeah at halftime like that. I mean, hey, it, can't, can't, it honestly can't get any better. Hey, it can't hey, get any better that, than this, man. That reminds me of like. 2016, I think it was, when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl and Mike 
my girl Katy Perry was doing the halftime. I was yeah. like, oh, this is it. This what is the dream, right? <laughs> this is your version of that. That's, what, that's, what, what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, can't, it literally just it can't get any better than this, man. You got the Niners on the Super Bowl. That, you have... that, alone, that alone might have changed my Super Bowl pick. It's a lot you, you, if you were going to choose the Chiefs, I swear to God, B, I swear, I swear to God, you have a week, a week to change your pick, man. And I swear to God, man, like just for once, like for once, don't go the football route here and go with the underdog story, please. Like don't make me bring out the PowerPoint presentation before next week to try and sway your pick. Anyways, and I'm, I'm going to do that to end literally anybody I know who say they're going to root for the Chiefs. I'm going to like literally try and sway them the other way because no. Don't. I don't think anyone wants to see this team win again unless you're from Kansas City. But, hey, that'll do it from this episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Be final thoughts. Man, like I said, dude, try and get some sleep, man. I know you're going to be watching Media Day um, this next week, man. Like, live in the moment, man. Soak it in. Oh, I will. I'll, oh, I'll be. I'll be dialed in the media night next week just to just to see all these guys: Kittle and Debo, Trent Williams on a podium. Like, nah, it'll be great. But all these other shows, man, I ain't watching nothing. Like, I'm tuning it all out. I don't care what the to see what these dudes from ESPN and I get up and all this stuff. Hey. They, they talk the same old trash every day. No, you have to watch it, dude. You have to. That's what's gonna get you pent up. And then if they do win, that's what's going to – because, dude, trust me, you know how many times I used to watch friggin' first take and listen to the cliff and all that kind of stuff? That had me more fired up than probably had Brady fired up. So It's, it, it's not even going to get me fired. It's just going to piss me off, honestly. It's just like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, just t- talk some facts, please. Like you're not talking facts. I'm like, oh, I don't like, I, I don't, I don't like Brock Purdy. He's a game manager. Nah, you don't like him because he's winning. It's the same thing. You didn't like Brady because he's winning. You don't like Mahomes because he's winning. Like, that's that. Like, you don't like anyways. It is what it is. Um, next week, we'll have the whole thing. We'll break down Super Bowl 58 in a whole lot more detail. We'll have our picks for who, obviously, who we think we're going to win the game. We're going we're gonna to make some, we're gonna make some picks on some of the betting odds for all the, all the fun stuff, including the, including the Gatorade colors. So, hey. Keep it locked. We got a lot of a lot of Super Bowl talk coming on next week. Should have, so it should be good. 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl 58. Enjoy the week, and we will see you next week for Super Bowl week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.